Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapper for the Fightful.com podcast, October 5th edition, brought to you by Onnit, Draft Beast, and Trade Tent. We have so much to talk about, like an obscene amount to talk about. Like wrestling. MMA, uh, reality shows, Total Bellas debuts tonight. Are you watching Total Bellas, Joe? <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch it, but uh, I know there's some news out there that's probably going to uh, – I hope someone's there to give you some CPR because in case something happens, you might just freak out and it's not MMA-related. But I definitely understand that if this does go down, uh, I don't even know if you'd be happy that it's going to go down, but I'm sure you'll explain it. Yeah, tons of wrestling news today. We'll start with – Apparently, Goldberg will face Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. This is coming from Jim Ross, who does not often post rumors. He said that his sources told him that Brock Lesnar and Goldberg will face each other at Survivor Series. This match happened, Joe, 12 years ago at WrestleMania 20. Brock Lesnar was on his way out to go to the NFL. Goldberg was on his way to retirement. Goldberg ended up winning because the WWE thought that he stood a better chance of returning than Brock Lesnar. Boy, was that wrong. This, this is an interesting situation because Goldberg's got to lose. He's got to lose. You can't build up Brock Lesnar for all this time and have him get beat by a 50-year-old man. As a, as a very, and I say very casual, as in you only care about wrestling when I talk about it to you, what do you think of Bill Goldberg coming back? Um, I, the only thing that I can automatically assume at his quote unquote, uh, you know, advanced age, it's gotta be monetary. Am I wrong? I mean, it's nothing that internally that he wants to fulfill. He, he did it for a while and I'm sure he made some money, but I guess some bad investments or some bad uh, spending habits. I mean, why else would a guy at that age want to come back? He's a big dude, but you're coming back against Brock Lesnar. You've got to put on a performance. Like, I can't see that being good for the body. Well, he does want to come back so his kids can see him wrestle. That's been the one thing that he said that he wants. But uh, kids need to see him get his ass kicked, too, because his big deal was he wouldn't put anybody over. And at 50 years old, you got to put people over. And it's really funny because he is always one of those guys that was like, well, I don't want to face this guy because if it were a real fight. And then Chris Jericho beat him up backstage. 
So there yeah, you, I, you know what? I remember hearing that stuff about Goldberg, and then I remember I, I do recall hearing that Jericho story. He just smashed him backstage. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jericho can be the special ref since he's gotten into it with both Brock and Goldberg. Chris Jericho is highly entertaining. This guy's hilarious these days. Really good stuff. Also, big wrestling news, Joe. TNA Wrestling, uh, Justin Labar wrote today, and Jim Ross also said that he he had heard this. I spoke to several TNA talents. They have not heard this. They said that they don't hear anything. They aren't told anything about this. The rumors are that Billy Corgan is buying TNA Wrestling. He's going to change the name. But WWE may have bought the video library. The video library of TNA Wrestling is very important to WWE because they have a network. 12 or 14 years worth of footage of guys like Sting, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and to a lesser extent, Mick Foley, Booker T, Kevin Nash. A lot of these guys that they have produced career retrospectives on that they've had to leave all of the TNA footage out of, no mentions of it. Apparently, WWE is going to swoop in, pay very little for this, and, and get it. I know that you were just foaming at the mouth to order the WWE Network so you can watch Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels from TNA Unbreakable 2005. Uh, thankfully, the viewers that are tuning in right now are likely MMA fans at the moment, knowing you'll probably talk about wrestling a little bit later on. But how upset would you be as my fellow, you know, you're the host of the show, I'm the analyst, I'm the co-host, and I told you that those three names that you mentioned, uh, I've never seen them wrestle. Ooh, i got to send you this match. It is really <laughs> the match I mentioned. The match I mentioned is probably my favorite match of all time. Really? There's a few links that you're supposed to be sending me that I've yet to see because some of the stuff that you mentioned on the show wrestling-wise, and I'm not even sure if it's MMA-wise, but there's some stuff that I've been waiting for you to send me because you get me all worked up during the show and you know, you're know you trying to reel me into this wrestling world all over again like it was me 20 years ago or something like that. But uh, whatever you got, bro, you send it to me. I'll be more than happy to watch and be like, Sean, am I ever going to get this time back? But I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you some stuff this week, including our Thursday co-host, Matt Riddle. Uh, I'm going to send you one of his matches so you can see how far he's come in such a short amount of time. And uh, we might have some free time. I don't even know what event is happening next week. Let me let me check because obviously we're doing a post UFC 204 show, guys. Uh, as, as is tradition with big shows, and we will preview this event. I I promise you, we are going to preview. <laughs> this event. But this this is kind of big. This is the number. Well, I would say the number three company in America because Ring of Honor has surpassed surpassed. Oh God, we have Lamas versus Penn, and Penn isn't even on the show anymore. I will lead with that, by the way. Yeah, so TNA might be sold. I'll have more on that later. BJ Penn pulled out of his fight. I am over BJ Penn, Joe. I'm done with him. I'm ready to close the door. I was told by someone in the UFC that they have heard that they are ready to move on from BJ Penn after this. Can you blame them? Um, it, it all depends on how everything came about. Now, uh, BJ Penn, uh, I, I generally choose my words carefully about BJ Penn because, you know, obviously uh, with my relationship with JD Penn and, you know, I've got an open invitation to go to Hawaii whenever I want and do what I need to do over there. But when I got this news, I was kind of like, man, come on, man. We were so looking. Actually, I wasn't really looking forward to him coming back. I've never said 
he should come back after that Frankie Edgar fight. Um, or he had that whole stance where he was just standing up, and I was like, oh, my God, you're going to get taken down at will. Uh, and Frankie Edgar at that Ultimate Fighter, um, what was the Ultimate Fighter finale, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know what BJ was doing or why he was coached that way. Um, gets into the Hall of Fame, and then all of a sudden, he's coming back, and he wants to come down at 145. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? Uh, you know, Ricardo Lamas, you know, hopefully, you know, I, yeah, the running jokes, obviously, the motivated BJ Penn. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it, but I, I just didn't feel like he was going to match up well with Ricardo Lamas because Lamas is younger, uh, right now faster and stronger. So I, it wasn't really a fight that I wanted to see. So when I heard the rumor that he was you know, withdrawing from the fight and the story that broke that you know, he hasn't even been replaced yet. I know Brian Caraway wants to get in there. But um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, I don't, I'm kind of not glad, but I'm like, okay, he's not fighting. Cool with me. Third time his fight's been canceled in I think about seven or eight months. That's that's rough. That's really rough. And all for different reasons, whether it was an injury to somebody else or uh USADA violation or this. It's just too many times, man. Too many times. If I'm UFC, I jump on the Brian Caraway thing. He is probably as close to a name as they will find at this time. Needless to say, Joe, uh Let's see, that, that show starts at 10 a.m. I will actually be on the road headed towards Cincinnati at that point. Let me ask you a question, though, regarding Brian Caraway, because Caraway obviously would be jumping up 10 pounds and fighting at featherweight, which he hasn't done in, like, a very long time. If he goes in and takes out Ricardo Lamas, at first I thought, like, why are you doing this? You, you're trying to get – you're trying to angle for a title shot at 135, but now you're willing to take on, you know, Ricardo Lamas, a ranked fighter at 145. Is this a sign that – Caraway starting to get sick of this weight cut at 135 that if he can automatically make a statement at 145, he's just going to stay there? I think it's a sign that Brian Caraway likes to call off, call out people who come off of losses or two or two three losses. That's, that's, that's terrible. Is, that's what he does. He calls out guys <laughs> who have been like sidelined for two years or like have leprosy or, you know, he, that's what he does. And I think, I think this is, he could win the fight. He could absolutely beat Ricardo Lamas. And here's something worth remembering, Joe. Yeah, sure, he might be hating that weight cut. Even though Ricardo Lamas has lost two of two of three, he's still the number four ranked featherweight in the world. Caraway beating Lamas on 10 days notice? I, anything's possible. We yeah. just saw, yeah, we I just saw Brandon right, Moreno no, beat Luis Smoka. Yeah, but you and I saw that coming from a mile away. That was just karma. That was karma coming back and just saying, you can't say those, you know, terrible words. Or so you don't anyways. think he's going to come in there and, like, put his hands by his waist and Lando Venata the shit out of Ricardo Lamas? Negative. Complete and utter negative. Uh, Lando, is Lando fighting on the Toronto card? Is he? I think so. I think he's fighting McDessie, if I'm not mistaken. I could be way off on that, dude. Don't, don't even quote I'll me on that, but I think it. he's fighting. I'll say that. And I, might, sure. I might get in trouble for saying this on the air. I was told by the owner, James, of Fightful, once we hit a certain traffic goal, which we are well on our way to doing, by the way, he wants to bring myself and you maybe to Toronto. I hope it happens that weekend if Lando Venata is on the card because, man, I am a fan of this guy. I am such a fan of this guy. So I tweeted out, obviously, Cormier and AJ uh, or Rumble Johnson are headlining the event. And I just put a bunch of other fighters, uh, hey, also competing on the show, blah, blah. Don't I start getting messages from my fellow MMA uh, or I guess our MMA media peers? 
oh, can't wait to come back to Toronto and see you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't even know if I'm born with a card. I got to get credentials first, right? And I thought <laughs> to myself, ah, Jimmy Van will do something. And now that you're mentioning you're coming up, I, I got to prep the city of Toronto for your arrival. I might. I have my passport. He just said, if we hit a certain traffic goal by a certain time, we'll party. I got to ask you, you're a big Blue Jays fan. You're a big Blue Jays fan, right? Yes, sir. Do you think Roberto Osuna breaks Mario and Rivera's saves record before it's all said and done? 21 years old. Yeah. 56 saves. It's, yeah. So that that's um... – I don't know, and I'll tell you why I don't know. Because the the window of opportunity for the Jays right now, I think this is this is they're going to lose a double E, likely to to the Red Sox next year. Uh, you know, Joey Bats. Listen, probably listen. Come back. Hey, if you want to send him back to the Reds, we'll give you back Scott Rowland. How about that? I, I listen. I don't know what, how it's going to shake down for the Jays, but going back to your Osuna question, I don't know. I know when he came out of that game yesterday, uh, I was I was really nervous really nervous they're saying it's nothing really bad but the fact that he comes out of that game pivotal game that you know we need to shut down the Orioles I mean we came out we won the game which is fantastic and I got stories for you left right and center of how my city just went absolutely nuts and friends around me um you know I was I was trying to watch a game and and tweeting a, a close friend of mine and we're going back or texting a close friend of mine and we're just kind of we just paused and we're like yeah it was absolutely insane and it's just double e doing his thing but Osuna man can he break Rivera's record I don't, Sean, 21, 21 years old. I understand. I understand. And, but the Jays have to have a team moving forward as he gets into the mid twenties. And that window for the Jays right now is closing real quick. If they can't figure out a way to replace those two bats next year. And for the next, at least four or five years, they do that. I'm going to start saying, I'll lean towards. Yes, they don't. I, I, it's going to be hard, man. We need to do a non- a no fighting allowed podcast where we just talk baseball. Oh, I know all, all too much about windows closing. My, my reds are feeling that right now. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Daniel Cormier, UFC 206. I, I really feel like right now, Joe, we are in a golden, in a, not the, but a golden era of MMA. It seems like every month there is a big, big fight that I am just totally pumped for. Anthony Rubble Johnson versus Daniel Cormier is one because no matter what happened in that first fight, one punch from Anthony Johnson changes people's lives. It changes their careers. They, they, they may never be the same after it. What do you think about this fight? It is, it is the way you just explained it is pretty much the way we're all on the surface going to look at this fight. And, and as time goes on, DC's getting older. You know, you can't really take those punches, especially with the the violence, the symphony of violence that that are in those two fists for Anthony Rumble Johnson. That at any one point in time, I mean, this guy can hit you with a cross that'll send your skull in the second row, an uppercut which will land your skull over the fence of the octagon, uh, hooks that'll just damage. The guy's power is ridiculous and. I know we saw the first fight. Uh, I know it can replicate the same way we saw the first fight. But, man, this guy would tear the roof off the Air Canada Center if he knocks out Daniel Cormier the way he just destroys so many different opponents. Like, he hit Glover Teixeira, and I, eh, he just took the life out of him. Just took the life out of him. 
By the way, did you see Husamar Paul Harris get knocked out this weekend? Oh, KSW? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God. It was just like that. It was – it doesn't matter who the guy was. It doesn't matter who's throwing it. If you get hit with an uppercut like that, you're going to sleep. It doesn't matter who you are. Rusamar Paul Harris is having a tough go of it this year. Is that the MMA Karma, Karma Gods? Karma, yeah. I think it's Karma. I mean, getting KTFO'd. And Rubble Johnson can do that to anybody. He can do it. And we've seen him do it to people from welterweight all the way up to uh, having the ability to do it against potential heavyweights. That's another thing. It's like, it's so psychotic to think that Anthony Rumble Johnson was ever a 170 pounder. I'll ask you this, Joe. Where do you think his career would be if he had never fought at 170? Do you think he would have already been a light heavyweight champion? That is the question for the ages. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we're, we try not to do what ifs, but or what could have been, but yeah, can you imagine if he always competed at 205? Uh, my, <laughs> myself and the, and the infamous, myself and the infamous Krylov fan, Corey Cropper, really wanted him to have that fight against John Jones when Dan Henderson pulled out. We were like, why not him? Why not Rumble Johnson? Sign him, get him ready. Speaking of, Joe, we have an exclusive article up on Fightful.com. Go there. Fightful.com, register absolutely free. You get early access to podcasts like this, like uh, Matt Riddle tomorrow, like uh, Vince Russo on Friday. Lots of cool stuff there, but we have an exclusive story up under our MMA exclusives. Uh, Chael Sonnen talked to me a while back, and you may remember to get under John Jones's skin, he said that he and Dan Henderson colluded to posture for Chael Sonnen to get that fight. Personally, I think that happened. I don't care what Chael says. I don't care what Dan Henderson says. I think it's too much of a coincidence that Dan Henderson got hurt. Nobody knew about it. But at that same time, Chael Sonnen was angling. But he did, he did tell me in this exclusive uh, article that Dan Henderson was pissed off that he said that publicly. The one thing about Ch- Chael Sonnen, and I know to some people it's going to sound like it's the obvious, but it's not when you think about it. The one problem with Chael Sonnen, um, and he's, he's, I guess he's starting to realize it, but he doesn't realize it, is his mouth. He forgets that there's certain things you can't say, you shouldn't say, because you're going to get in trouble for it. And um, it's not just what he says, sometimes his own actions. He's, he is his worst uh, enemy at times. And But the fact of the matter is, I don't care. Chael Sonnen is a walking genius. The guy is a just a ticking time bomb of verbal just insanity because sometimes he starts saying things and he realizes, screw it. I'm already in trouble for what I said two minutes ago, one minute ago, 30 seconds. I'm just going to keep going. And then he realizes afterwards, oh, how do I get out of this one? And then he'll, he'll, he'll hold comebacks. He'll figure out a way. He's got incredible wit. But this guy always finds himself in trouble. And think about it, not just – Um, in the MMA world, outside of it as well. I wanted to to let people know the programming note for TNA. If you were planning on going to the Friday tapings, uh, don't go. The hurricane in uh, has changed the tapings around. They're doing doing a Thursday matinee show at 1 p.m. No tapings on Friday. Saturday, they are doing a matinee at 1 p.m. and an evening show at 7 p.m. So... 
beware of that. Now, there's this Alberto Del Rio situation I want to talk about before we get into the rest of the MMA. He missed a show Sunday, Joe. No showed a Triple H in Mexico. <laughs> and the company, uh, the wrestling promotion, Triple A, issued a statement saying they were very disappointed. The next day, Alberto Del Rio comes out and says, I got stabbed. I got stabbed. Several times. What? He got stabbed, allegedly. Said that he filed a police report, yada, yada. Myself and other journalists have spoken with San Antonio Police Department. They did not have any stabbing incidents reported. Now, I, I am still trying to wait and get maybe a, a comment from the San Antonio Airport Police, because maybe maybe it's a different situation. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. But very, very interesting situation here going on. Just just saying, that's what happened when I called. That's what happened when I know that Ryan Satin called. I know that there were a couple of other journalists that called. I have not been able to get a hold of San Antonio Airport Police yet. Uh, I'm trying to still work on that, but so you all know, we are working on it. I see a lot of people say, who's working on it? We're trying. What's his angle in saying something like that, though? I mean, there's there's a new thing. He, that he missed a booking. Yeah, but I got stabbed several times. Okay, well. He posted a pretty graphic picture, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, they have these new things called phones, and on these phones, they've got cameras. But, okay, so he did post a picture. Also, the thing was that he had lost his phone after the attack. It was a road rage, road rage incident, as it turns out. There is a WWE producer, WWE agent, person who puts the matches together, also got stabbed in a road rage incident last week. Uh, so kind of tragic, those things happening. Also tragic, uh, the MMA world lost Josh Saman last week. Or, well, he was found unresponsive last week, and it was announced that he passed away today. At the age of 28, not only was he a fighter, he was a musician, an author, Joe, he was a fellow member of the MMA media. He wrote for UFC.com, BloodyElbow.com. Something that many UFC fighters would not be willing to do, he did. And he would approach issues that needed to be approached by someone in the UFC. We're not going to speculate on, on how it happened because a lot's being said about that and we do not have the facts, but tragic. Tragic. It's It's... I mean, tragic is one thing. We just lost, um, you know, a fighter, like you said, a fellow uh, media cohort that that was doing things. I mean, he was interviewing guys from the UFC and USADA, and it's just he he's a guy that that was, I guess you could say, um, steps ahead uh, of what many other guys or girls want to do with their careers. He was already planting a seed. Uh, he was a promoter. Um, you know, he he was doing things. I guess you could say the right way, but some way somehow ends up, you know, losing his life in whatever manner that we, we still just don't know. We don't have any facts whatsoever. So it's extremely disturbing. I mean, my thoughts and prayers go to his family and, you know, there's, uh, we're just sitting there waiting at what, what caused this, what happened for him and his roommate to be found in that state. And then he's in a coma. And the next thing you know, he loses his life, obviously way too young. Um, you know, the automatic speculation is people like, well, he's, he, he had a past with substance abuse this is what it was. I can see where people draw that correlation, but there's no facts yet. There's no proof, you know, an autopsy is being done. It hasn't been completed or, or the results of the autopsy uh, haven't been released, you know, until that happens, I'm not speculating anything. All I know is that we lost someone 
uh, in the world of mixed martial arts that may not have had the brightest future in his division to become a world champion, but damn, could he ever put on a show? He's always this. I mean, you know, and, and he had, he had a hilarious sense of humor as well. People were calling him, you know, Jesus with the hair and the beard. Yeah. You know, people were just, just, he was a funny dude. He just knew what's up. And he, he was, it was difficult that whole situation when he lost his girlfriend. And obviously he, that took a lot out of him. Um, you know, the, she, what did she crash into? Uh, it was a single car accident and he was texting her at the time and she was texting back. So he took that. Really, he blamed really himself. Yeah. Yeah. He blamed himself. So uh, this guy, you know, he had a lot of downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And then the next thing you know, now he's, now he's gone. So, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to the family. It's, it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking. And I hope if, I hope it, it, something good comes out of it and it serves as a wake-up call for, for some people. I really do. Uh, either way, we, we do have UFC 204 this Saturday. Joe and I will be here covering the show, uh, as always. Fightful.com is the place to be, you guys. Our live viewing parties have been popping. I'm talking Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown, Wednesday NXT, Wednesday Lucha Underground, Thursday TNA Impact. Friday, we usually have something going on. David Tease is covering, like, Alabama moat fighting or something. I don't know what the hell they have on Fight Pass these days. Like, if they if M1 did the thing with the, the suits of armor, Joe, David Tease would cover that. <laughs> That's terrible. What was that, night fighting? <laughs> there was a the thing that Cyrus and that dude did, Corey Oxen died or whatever – where they got like four people beating the shit out of each other. We'd cover it. Why not? X-Arm? Do you remember X-Arm? Yep. Man. That was a shitty idea. Was that Campbell McLaren? Uh, was it not Art Davey, perhaps? I was going to say it was one of them. One of those goofs. <laughs> hey, hey, watch what you say about them. Come on. Hey, I, them? I like you and I would have gigs when you think about it. Yeah, sure. But, you know, if they did have their way, we would have a moat around the cage, too. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, yeah. I actually met Campbell in Japan. I met Campbell uh, McLaren in Japan. and uh, Nice guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Um, I, I, John McCarthy told me a few stories about him, uh, big John McCarthy. And uh, Campbell's funny, man. Campbell's just down to earth, very simple dude, you know, and just makes crazy decisions that just work, you know? So yeah. If Campbell McLaren fought Art Davey, we would cover it at Fightful.com. <laughs> Saturday night, UFC 204. Sunday night, WWE No Mercy. That's going to be a killer up against NFL, MLB playoffs, and the presidential debate. Doesn't matter. We got you covered. Then, of course, you know, the cycle continues. I'm on like 14 or 15 straight days of podcasting. I will go ahead and give you guys a programming note. Uh, Joe and I will figure out a time to cover the UFC Philippines show. Uh, I don't think that we'll be doing the show right afterwards. I've got some traveling to do, but sometime that weekend, we will get you all covered on the UFC Philippines. Because I know that you all won't be able to live unless you find out about Cole Miller versus some guy whose name I can't pronounce yet. I have to learn (laughs) in the next week. But it's our job, and we'll do it. It's our job, and we'll do it. UFC 204. I am strangely excited for the show, Joe. 
how can you not be excited? Look at that main event, middleweight title, Michael Bisping, the middleweight champion of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It still hasn't resonated officially in my head. And his first title defense is against Dan Henderson, the guy who's made, um, you know, not, not his career, but has basically taken one image from UFC 100 and probably made hundreds of thousands of dollars on shirts with his body over top of Michael Bisping. I mean, this, this is, um, I, I'm not sure if you posted my article just yet, uh, and how I look at this main event and the two angles and how this fight, in my opinion, will be career-defining for both fighters and why I believe it's career-defining. There's a lot. Like I, like I said, strangely excited. Russell Doan's probably going to get his ass kicked. I don't know why that's on the main card anymore. But <laughs> that poor guy, I mean, he's stepping up, but he's probably going to get knocked right back down. I got to ask you, looking at the center card, do you think Damian Stasiak is related to Stan the Man Stasiak of WWWF fame? They're both Polish. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, probably not, but uh, no. let's get the him on the Polish show. Power. The Wasn't Polish that Ivan Putski? Yeah, it was, I think. There's Ivan Putski and his son Scott. Okay. I think his son got like a compound fracture on TV. It was gross. Um, I'll start off with, with some of the more interesting preliminary fights. Leonardo Santos against Adriano Martins. Martins, he hasn't fought a lot lately. He's fought, he hasn't fought since October of last year, so it'll be just a year that it's been since he fought. But and, and dating back to strike force, I think he's won five of six, beat George Grigel, uh, Darren Crookshank, Kabilov, uh, Makachev. So he, he's beaten a few guys. The only person he's fallen to over the last like five years is Donald Cerrone. Certainly forgivable. On the other side of the cage, you have Leonardo Santos, who uh, is riding a five-fight unbeaten streak. He would have lost to Norman Park, but uh, Norman Park grabbed his shorts and caused a point deduction, things of that nature. I think a win here launches the winner into maybe a top 15, top 10 fight, in my opinion. Hot streak, a very competitive division, but also a very important fight. And Leonardo Santos, he ain't getting any younger. Probably the next time he fights after this, he'll be 37 years old. Uh, Adriano Martins just turned 34. So these guys got to get it done like now. Yeah, I concur. I I, I just think that – you know, I don't usually make predictions before fights because anything can happen. I just think Santos, the minute he gets uh, Martins back, if he has more than two minutes to work, uh, I think he finishes him off because Santos' jiu-jitsu is obviously sick. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Martins is a bad man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he was actually doing pretty good uh, in that cowboy fight until, what was it, a shin kick to the head? That was just like nighty-night sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I like this fight. When I saw it, that it's on the UFC uh, fight pass preliminary bouts i'm like man at least put this one on the fox sports one but again i understand what the uc is doing here but I, I, who they're, they're they're pulling from a brazilian audience uh to watch this i, I don't really understand it but um I, I think santos takes this fight i think he i think his stock value would amongst the ufc matchmaking team i don't know about the the mma media uh rankings panel those that vote uh could understand this but i think santos stock would morons win. those people <laughs> I think Santos will actually benefit much more from victory uh, than if Martins will, but I could be wrong with that. 
I have to give Joe Silva like a ton of credit for the next matchup. Danny Roberts versus Mike Perry. That is some A-plus matchmaking that, that is going a little under the radar here. Mike Perry loves to slug it out. Danny Roberts is a known finisher, and when he doesn't finish, you, you get a fight like against Dominic Steele at UFC 197. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Which was a barn burner. You get a great fight like that. Great match. Great, great job by, by Joe Silva matching these two guys up as the featured Fight Pass prelim because this is what you want. You want somebody who's maybe checking out Fight Pass on their week trial to get a just a slobber knocker, as we say in the wrestling business. And I think that's what these two are going to deliver, Joe. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, can this one go 15 minutes? I'm just trying to think in my head. We always say it won't, and it always does. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those cards. I'm I'm looking up and down the actual bout order. I'm looking up and down the, the fights here, and I'm like, is this going to be one of those cards that's going to surprise us and just have like 10 finishes? Or is it going to be 15-minute decisions all the way across, close fights, controversial judges' decisions? I don't know. But in this fight here, this one could see an ending, man. This one, this, <laughs> these are two dudes that just can prove a point whenever it comes to mixed martial arts. This fight, that fights can end at any time, anywhere, uh, off of stupidness, off of a cage, uh, on the mat, standing up. Um, you know, we'll see how Mike Perry does with, with Roberts in general. But uh, I'm, I'm going to lean towards Perry in this one. Worth noting that Luis Smoka dropped four ranking spots um, after his loss to Brandon Moreno. Moreno is still two behind Smoka, so that shows you all you need to know about the. Uh, you also uh, Bigfoot Silva is still in the top fifteen. Oh, you are. That's just I, you're going to lose your mind. Like that's that's. I like, am. Uh, wow. They'll what, cut what him. He'll, that? He'll, like, I mean, that's crazy. They'll cut him. They'll cut him, and he'll go up to fourteen. <laughs> That's what these fools do. Like, he's won one fight in three years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One of his last eight fights, Joe. Man. Rough stuff. Leon Edwards, Albert Tumanov. You have Damian Stasiak, Davy Grant, or Davy Grant, Ian Entwistle, Rob Font. Those are some of your uh, Fox Sports prelim fights. What are you looking forward to out of, out of those three matchups that we just mentioned? Well, the Edwards two enough fight. Uh, there's a reason why I think it's kicking off the broadcast. Um, I would have probably have dropped Stasiak and Grant down uh, and brought you know Martins and Santos up, but uh, it is what it is. But I really like the two enough fight and Edwards fight. 
Uh, it depends on, on which Tumanoff decides to show up, right? Is it the guy that's afraid to pull the trigger or is it the guy that's not going to take Leon's BS and, and just go in there with some nice little leg kicks and finish the guy off and just try and pick him apart? So uh, I'm interested to see which Tumanoff shows up there. It's the same thing. I'm not comparing him to Uriah Hall, but you just never know which fighter shows up on what night. And, you know, Tumanoff sometimes looks like that one guy that can just skyrocket in this division, and then he shows up the next night, and you're kind of like, I don't know, man, there's something wrong with this guy. So we'll see. But that's the fight that I'm looking forward to out of those three that you mentioned. Something that I've noticed on these prelims that, that we didn't see a couple of years ago, the the uh, the expansion of the UFC's roster has led them to a position, and, and I kind of speculated this would happen a couple of years ago, that eventually you're going to have guys that are riding these real hot streaks that make their names on the prelims. Now you have Leon Edwards. He's won three of four. You have Albert Tumanov, who's won five of six. And that's a pretty hot streak. Granted, you know, Tumanov lost to Gunnar Nelson in May. You come out of this fight, you're looking good because the person that you beat is credible. They are not an inconsistent opponent. Uh, I, I like that. A more, more good matchmaking. In, in the UFC on these prelim shows, which is really a lost art. Now, what I'll ask you, Joe, how does that change when Joe Silva leaves? It's a good question because, you know, Sean Shelby's going to want to put his sort of stamp on the new type of matchmaking or the type of matchmaking that he's probably never been really able to do uh, under Joe Silva. Uh, but then again, he is Joe Silva's quote-unquote student. Uh, you know, hand in hand, basically, they've they, they worked together uh, really, really closely over the years. Uh, but now it could be, quote unquote, Sean's time to shine right now to the to the non hardcore MMA fan that understands the business of matchmaking. It may mean nothing. Uh, but, you know, people that know the sport, understand the sport and understand the business will pay very close attention to when Joe Silva leaves and Shelby starts doing all the matchmaking uh, for the bigger divisions as well. So it'll be interesting to see how his mindset is. When it comes to matchmaking fights, people sometimes think, oh, all you do, just take that welterweight, put that welterweight. They've never fought together. Put them in there. Oh, they deserve a rematch. Put them in there. It's not usually how it works. Uh, and believe you it. You got to budget these things, too. Yeah. You know, there's, there's money involved. There's a lot of things that you got to pay attention to. Uh, what number of fight is the guy on his contract, right? There's a whole bunch of variables that go in there. And, you know, bottom line is, is you got to try and put on exciting fights. If you could put the two most exciting guys uh, on the UFC roster in a division together doesn't mean they're going to have an exciting fight. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. I am disappointed in someone on this show. Rob Font. How has he not used every pun, every nickname? Rob Comic Sans Font. You got to do it. Your name is Font. Like, if you're John Anik, you got to say, Rob Font underscores that It's all over the place. You can do so many. Yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe he grows his hair out, you know, he gets the lip rings, he goes goth, and he's like, Rob, Ariel, Black, Font. <laughs> like, you know, you got to – you got the name, use it. That's the pro wrestling in me speaking out. We should have some sort of contest – on the site, the best nickname for Rob Font. You know, I'd, I'd submit the yeah. the bold, flat out Rob the bold Font. Done. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. 
I can't wait to hear somebody say that he italicized his performance in the fight. Like anything, <laughs> anything. If he goes out there and throws like a weird spin kick, you can say he's got web dings on his mind or something or whatever those those weird fonts are. The fight pass or the not fight pass. The Fox Sports One main event is Yuri Alcantara against Brad Pickett. Two guys who have had pretty good runs at points in their career. Brad Pickett has has beaten uh, Demetrius Johnson in WEC. Ain't no way that happens today. They've both seen better days. Two veterans. I mean, like, real veterans. 36 and 38, I think they are. Like, their best days are behind them. Why do you think the choice was made to put this as the, the headline bout on Fox Sports 1, Joe? Uh, I don't know the reason why, but you got to think that these are two guys that are almost out the door sort of thing or getting close to being out the door, time to hang out the gloves, that it's a fight that you just put together and say, okay, you know what? One, one stays, one goes. Loser goes home, right? It's one of those things. I mean, we thought Pickett was done um, in his last fight. We thought for sure that – well, at least I thought for sure that if he doesn't emerge victorious against Francisco Rivera, it's, it's done. You can't compete with these, you know, quote-unquote younger guys. He pulled off a split decision, could have went either way. But, you know, he still proved he's got something in the tank. But he is, what, two of his – two wins in his last five? You know, unfortunately, you know – One of his last four as well. Two of his yeah. last six. So it's 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 one of those things where well, it's worth looking at the guys they put him up against. Yeah, he of had course. a split decision, split decision loss to Chico Camus, so that could have went either way based on who the judges were that night. Thomas Almeida, Ian McCall, Michael McDonald. It's like damn, damn. Yeah, and then you have Alcantara, who's you know he's one and two in his last three, so. I think he's got more in him to actually win this fight and, and continue his career. But, you know, in terms of Brad, Brad, it's, it's not a, not, he's no longer fighting to be relevant in the division. He's just fighting to just, you know, to stay alive in his, with his career. Right. So, and he's just always been one of those guys in the, back in the WC days, one punch, he used to call, we used to call him one punch. Obviously was his nickname, but he used to just, just, just sit there and box people and hurt them. And then, but you know, father time, it's the ultimate winner, father time. UFC 204 main card. I got to give the UFC rankings panel credit. They ranked Bektich, which uh, makes every fight on the top on on the main card a top 15 fight. Now he is fighting Russell Doan, who was likely well on his way to being cut. Actually, he Russell Doan hasn't won in two years, over two years. He didn't fight for a year. He fought in July of 2015. Well, here, here's how it went. He fought September 2014, lost. Didn't fight again until July 2015, lost. Didn't fight again until July 2016, lost. So he is probably fighting for his job here. But here's the unique situation, Joe. Usually when guys like this take a last-minute replacement fight, the UFC gives them a little more rope. Can you really give this guy the rope to lose five in a row if he loses this one, which he probably is? The answer is yes. I believe the answer is yes. You're, you're, you're stepping up for the company to save a boat, uh, despite thinking, you know, Mursad's going to automatically take this. There are no guarantees, and we've seen it before, that guy sometimes on short notice and we think isn't going to happen, isn't going to win, uh, and girls as well. In some way, somehow pull it off. Now, four losses in a row is 
done. You're done with the UFC. But because, like you said, he stepped up, they might give him one chance. But after five, no. But what's the worst? I mean, what's crazy? He loses this fight here. They did him. He did them a favor. They allow him that one last fight, and then he wins that fight. And what? You got to give him another one. Yeah. Right. He was probably on his way to being cut anyway. If he wasn't already, because I remember Jake Ellenberger got cut, begged for another shot, then won a fight. So you just never know. Either way, this is now a top 15 featherweight fight because Bekic is uh, ranked. Stefan Struve against Daniel Omeliacek. I am going to assume that's how it's pronounced. Stefan Struve is just – if you we, – we often talk about inconsistency. You were to put inconsistency, like in the MMA dictionary, there's Stefan Struve. He is on the the uh, Mount Rushmore of MMA inconsistency. This guy. And what's his? What's been his worst um, criticism when people watch him fight? He can't fight tall. The guy's seven foot yeah. tall, six foot eleven and a half. He's seven foot tall. Okay, doesn't fight like a tall fighter. Now, when you're that tall, your mobility. Your footwork really isn't going to be there. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a seven-foot person uh, on the face of this planet that's going to have footwork like someone that's at least 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, okay? It's just it's not going to happen. So you've got to have different options, different ways of, of throwing your knees, elbows, which he did throw uh, versus Antonio Silva, but different ways of using that jab. Um, the one thing Faraz Zahabi told me before, he goes, don't kid yourself. He goes, as, as a fighter, and I'm, I'm sure, Sean, you've thrown a fair amount of punches in your training uh, or in your career. I know when I throw my jab, okay, and again, I'm only 5'7", uh, I, I don't throw my jab straight out because I don't fight many guys or spar many guys who are 5'7". Most of the guys that I spar are much taller. So I'm used to jabbing up. I'm used to jabbing up. I rarely jab down. Okay, he goes, it's much more difficult to learn and execute this technique than it is straight or up. And he broke it down scientifically. I thought, this is kind of actually cool. But then my response at the end was, well, wait a second. That's all Stefan Struve's ever known. So he should be good at it. And he's sometimes not, which is weird. Because that's all he Most should really do. Right? So you figure a guy, and again, when you have that type of mass, that type of, of dexterity, well, dexterity isn't really there. But trying to throw that kick isn't very easy because it just comes at a slower motion. But if it does land, that's a large amount of mass. That's not even a baseball bat. That is like, what would you call that? A club, right? That, that, that would come across and hit you. So like you said, he's very inconsistent. Um, and because of his height, anyone that tries to fight him can probably take him down fairly easily because their fulcrum is much lower than his. So it's almost like this massively tall dude is always at a disadvantage when he shouldn't be. The interesting thing about this fight is both men have shown that they can finish early. They both show that they can go to the distance. Uh, the, dis- the, di- the difference between the two is nobody has ever finished Amelia check before. Never. He's riding a three fight winning streak at age 34, which, you know, in the UFC heavyweight division ain't that bad. Not that old. You can fight until you're 40 there. Some people can. I worry about Stefan Struve in this fight because against a guy who hasn't been finished, Struve oftentimes has had trouble finishing, which is weird to think because he finished Stipe Miocic, 
and Pat Barry and Dave Herman and LeVar Johnson and Bigfoot Silva and I think Christian Morecat, Morecraft and McCorkle. But there were positions, like there were times in that Mark Hunt fight, he should have won that fight. Like there was there was no reason for Stefan Struve to be in mount on Mark Hunt and not win that fight. Uh, especially knowing what we know about Mark Hunt. I, I worry about this, but this is really, in my opinion, a pick 'em fight. This would be a huge win for Amelia Jack, though. A big one. Because people know who Stefan Struve is. At least I don't want to say casual MMA fans. The MMA fan knows who Stefan Struve is. Yeah, of course. Well, you're absolutely right. Obviously, the, the, the pressure in, in this fight here definitely falls on Stefan Struve's shoulders. Um, but in terms of Daniel winning this fight, uh, if he does win, yeah, his stock value will slightly go up. But again, he's not as known um, yet. He'd have to go on a serious run, and then and the UFC's PR machine would really have to get behind this guy and almost do what they did with you know Johanna Jacek in terms of Joanna Champion, right? Like it's just they, it's one of those surnames that people are always that's just a people uh, people here that are not from uh, European descent would have a very difficult time pronouncing. If they can't pronounce your name, you better have a good nickname, or you better have one name like Fedor, right? So. Uh, we could say – it's funny because if you think about it, Sean, we could say Emelianenko a million times because it's Fedor and he kept winning and he kept proving how great he is in terms of Daniel Emelianchuk, right? Hey, I've learned I've learned Jen Jacek. Yep. She's earned it. That is also a top 15 fight both fighters ranked, which, which means everything as we've learned. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a top – 10 fight, Jimmy Manawa, Ovent St. Prue. It seems like it's been forever since Jimmy Manawa fought. It seems like it's been since like 2014, but it's not. It's been, it's been about 13 months since he got just liquefied by Anthony Rumble Johnson. This guy is looking for his first real big win, like big name opponent when he lost to Gustafson, lost to Johnson. OSP would be his biggest win yet. Uh, for OSP, I think you got to be Manoa to stay in the conversation, to be that guy who can be the guy when somebody gets hurt to say, I'll step in, I'll fight. Remember me? I went five rounds with John Jones. I think you got to win this fight to stay in that conversation if you're OSB. I think I was about to say no, uh, but then you look at the record. If he loses this fight here, he's one in three in his last four. Not good. Not good, considering so many of us were looking at OSP uh, as... And, and the one guy he beat was Feijiao. And Feijiao didn't just go downhill. He ran and jumped off the cliff and belly flopped into whatever was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, you can look at it that way. Um, yeah, no, but I see what you're saying about OSP, man. This is a guy that has to win this fight. I do believe he's going to win this fight. Don't get me wrong. I think he's got uh, more of an edge in a few different categories other than just... I mean, his striking isn't, quote-unquote, as technical as um, Jimmy Manoa's, but he has MMA striking that could surprise Jimmy Manoa and really cause him fits. So, I mean, you can make the argument, well, I was going to say Rumble, got a different striking style, but, um, yeah, I think OSP really has to pull off this fight here because Jimmy Manoa, you lose to Jimmy Manoa, Manoa who hasn't competed in, 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 like I said, what feels like so long. Yeah, OSP could be in big trouble if he loses this fight for sure. Not, not getting like, cut trouble, but look out, bud. 
This light heavyweight division ain't looking too hot. <laughs> I'm looking up and down, and it's like John Jones is gone. We got Cormier and Johnson. So you know what? If Johnson wins, they could do a third one. They, they could do a third one. Gustafson can't stay healthy. Glover Teixeira is just he, he – Glover Teixeira is the perennial number three light heavyweight fighter. That's just what he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Ryan Bader <laughs> Ryan Bader is the perennial number four fighter in this division. <laughs> That's what he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Then you go down. OSP, Shogun, Rashad left the division, Jimmy Manawa. Noguero would be retired if many people had their way. But then there is the, the Jehovah, the Savior, the ray of shining light in this light heavyweight division, Nikita Krylov Joe. <laughs> That's it, man. I'm looking behind me now. I got to get a poster of this kid. This kid deserves a poster behind me. We, it's, it's, he does. We got to rename the site. We got to rename the site. This guy's just a legend. My boy, Corey Cropper, keeps sending me texts about how fun Krylov is to play as on EA UFC. <laughs> so I got to check that out. Yeah, but either way, that light heavyweight division is looking, whew, man, it's looking rough. Looking rough. Co-main event, Gegard Musashi versus Vitor Belfort. I'm excited for this one. I'm really, really excited for this one. This is going to be very telling. Vitor Belfort, 39 years old. Gegard Musashi, 31 years old. Gegard Musashi, who I'm wondering even why he even fights at middleweight. Keep in mind, I'm pretty sure he's undefeated at light heavyweight. Uh, it's, it's very much a Daniel Cormier type of thing where the guy was undefeated at heavyweight, and he's like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll drop down. I'll just drop down. Like, if, if they would have given Gegard Musashi the fight against John Jones over OSP, I would have found that a little more competitive, Joe. No, I concur. I concur. But this is a – Musashi is, is, is one of, another one of those guys. It's which one shows up. Which one shows up. And, you know, don't be surprised here if, if Vitor Belford, uh, who's, you know, striking, we've always known as one of the most dangerous southpaws in the history of mixed martial arts – going back to the, the SEG days of the of, of UFC, uh, don't be surprised if Vitor looks for a takedown here. Why bother standing with this guy? Take him down on the ground. Right? Don't be surprised if you see Belfort not even wasting any time, clinching, looking for a takedown here. Forget about the striking. Just take this guy down and submit him. Mark my words. You look at the records of these guys. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. It's just so psychotic because they are eight years apart. But if you were to break down their records, like in who they beat, you would think that they fought in the same era. <laughs> Vitor Belfort has beaten John Hess, Tank Abbott, Vanderlei Silva, Bobby Southworth, Gilbert Ivel, Keith Herring, Marvin Eastman, Randy Couture, Matt Lindland, Rich Franklin, Rumble Johnson, Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold. Dan Henderson, he's basically beaten everybody on this this card. Uh, and Dan Henderson again. Then you look at Musashi, who was eight years his junior, and beat uh, Hector Lombard, who is now at 170 pounds, Cyborg Santos, Dennis Kang, if you all remember him. My boy. Melvin Manhoof, Mark Hunt, a former UFC heavyweight title challenger, Jacare, Sokaju, Gary Goodridge. <laughs> He went to a draw with Keith Jardine, 
There's Mike Kyle, Dan Henderson, Talis Latest. This is so weird, Joe. This is really too like guys who have seen, as they say about people who were in the war, they've seen some shit, Joe. Yeah, these are era fighters. Finally. Yeah. These are era fighters, man. They fought guys that were in eras, man. Like Vitor Belfort going up and down that record. I mean, that, that just gave me a whole, you know, a bunch of nostalgic goosebumps here. I mean, think about all those fights that he competed against. I mean, I remember when I first saw that John Hess clip uh, online <laughs> and him just, just on top of him, just beating the crap. That was in Hawaii, wasn't it? On uh, one of TJ Thompson's shows, just smashing his skull into the ring or the, the mat. And I was like, holy Super Bowl two. Super Bowl two, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it was that was a holy smokes, that was a long time ago. But you know, and then he gets to the UFC, does his thing, and it's just look where he's still competing right now. Like, I mean, it's unreal. And you know, that we should one day have a conversation if Vito Belfort will ever be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Here's something that I don't think people are taking into consideration that they should. Vitor Belfort has not won outside of Brazil in five years. 2011, the last time, against Akiyama. He lost against uh, Chris Weidman in Vegas. He lost against John Jones in Canada. Now, granted, that could be a, that's more of a talent thing than a location thing, in my opinion. But he's obviously much more comfortable in Brazil. Also, keep in mind the people that he's beaten in Brazil at that time Rumble Johnson, Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold, Dan Henderson twice. Also, up until the Dan Henderson fights, he had a little thing called TRT on his side. Gegard Musashi is a traveler, a world traveler. Japan, the Netherlands, the United States, uh, Germany, Sweden, England, the Philippines. Uh, I know he fought in Canada, Finland, Russia, Ireland. He's fought everywhere and won like everywhere. This is nothing new to him. And he's been trying to get this fight for quite a while. I think that if uh, obviously that, that Uriah Hall thing, he was having his way with Uriah Hall before that kick landed. He could be on a five fight winning streak. I think he is incredibly underrated in the division, but it's like you mentioned, Joe, which one's showing up? Yeah. You know, it's so difficult to assess, you know, Gegard at all. It's, it's, he just, you never, ever know. Every time you think this is it, this is the time he's going to, I mean, there was a time um, when I had my TV show, when um, I used to have fan questions uh, they'd, e- they'd uh, either tweet them or email them into the show ahead of time the day that we would record it. And I would, we'd go there, we'd put it all together. And there was a time when people were like, Anderson Silva cannot be beaten. There's no one on the planet that can beat him. And this is when, when Ge- I think it was Gegar was in Dream at the time. And he was the man. He was the man out there. I think he knocked out uh, Jacare uh, with an upkick that just sent his, his stock just through the roof. And I said, the guy that's going to beat Anderson Silva, if they could ever sign him some way, somehow, would be Gegard Musasi. And that was ages ago. And ever since then, all I've seen is this guy's career go up and down. Every time you think he's doing good. And then I've had, you know, friends uh, that have trained with him uh, around, and I've always heard the same thing. Um, don't be surprised if opponents take him down to the ground. Good point. We will see on Saturday. Main event, Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson. This one is just (laughs) – it's not good matchmaking, but it's good business. This is fantastic business. It's fantastic business. And a lot of that, you got to give credit to the two guys. Because for the last seven years, 
whether they really dislike each other or not, they have kept up the illusion that they dislike each other. They have, as, as we say in wrestling, they have not broken kayfabe. They have not broken the fourth wall. They have not let anybody believe that they don't, that they do like each other. I think that changes after this fight, barring some brutal psychotic knockout. I think that they shake hands. I think this is the end of the, the Bisping Anderson feud. I think that Bisping's going to get it done. But I think that this is this was, a, you know, not the worst fight to make because you extend Bisping's run possibly, and if not, you have a UFC middleweight tournament pre-booked with Jacare versus Rockhold and Weidman versus Romero, the two winners of those fight, and you got your new champion. What do you think of everything about this, Joe? Um. What if let me ask you this though? What if Bisping knocks out Henderson and then follows up with some sort of punch the way Henderson followed up with Bisping? Yeah, there's gonna be no making up then. Right? And what if it's yes. a close fight and this thing happens and in, in, in at any one point in time, um it's close, Bisping was about to get knocked out, and then he comes back and Henderson's about to get finished and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like you saw with the Shogun fight, then Bisping lands that knockout punch or whatever reason, finishes off Henderson and then goes in and hits him afterwards, just like Henderson did to him at UFC 100. You don't think Henderson's going to see that and be like, you know what? I'll, I want a third fight some way somehow. Good luck getting it. But it could happen. Right? But, Crazy, like crazier said, things have happened. But yeah. I think they but got think, enough flack from this fight. Yeah, I think this is it. I think you're right. I think this is it, but I wouldn't be surprised because he said stranger things have happened. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if Bisping pulls this off, man. Um, it's, it's one of those things where he's just, he's on this lightning in a bottle situation with his career right now. So anything can happen with this guy. And then he's got, he's fighting in Manchester, all the people behind him with the exception of something I just saw that Manchester city, uh, is supporting Dan Henderson because Manchester United is supporting Michael Bisping. So it could be getting ugly there before we even get to Saturday, but I'm definitely looking forward to this fight here because bottom line is this. Bisping wins, he avenges and, and, and you know sort of avenges that whole situation that happened at UFC 100. But if Hendo wins, he finally gets that UFC title that has eluded him forever. And he's already said he's going to retire, win or lose. And if he retires, like you said, there's that four-man tournament, four-man you know, tournament going on as we speak where the winner could actually fight Bisping or actually fight one another for the title. So all depends. So much is riding on this fight on Saturday. This is, there's so many implications and angles that are going to come out of it. We just need it to take place. We need the referee to step out of the way, let them take care of business, and let's see what's going to happen uh, on our Fightful podcast after this event goes down. Can't wait for it, guys. I'm also here tomorrow afternoon with the one, the only, Matt Riddle. Uh, we do have an upgrade to his production coming. It should be here next week. We've heard your cries, you guys. If you all want to download this podcast, you can do so over at Fightful.com slash podcast. Also, be sure to click those on it links. Support us. I have people asking what my favorite supplement is for focusing. I had somebody ask me that today. Alpha Brain, you guys. It works. Helps me work these long hours. I am always drowning in editing, and I love it. Couldn't be happier. Alpha Brain helps me out. Uh, also, Friday afternoon with Vince Russo. Go, to, go and register at Fightful.com. And get early access to those. A lot of you ask where those podcasts go on YouTube on the weekends. We unlist them, and you can only check them out at Fightful.com as you register. 
uh, for free, by the way, guys. Showdown Joe and I are back after UFC 204, talking all kinds of fun. You guys follow at Fightful Online on Twitter and Facebook. You get all of our stories automatically posted there. And of course, share the page, share the Fightful pages, the stories, everything like that on Facebook, in Facebook groups, Twitter, Reddit, all that good stuff. It really helps. Guys, until next time, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.